0: Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five star review.
1: and gentlemen welcome to the four corners podcast this is shad with matt and brad guys how are you doing tonight
2: uh doing good chad
0: i am doing good a little low energy because um my allergies are just a mess still and the weather dropped here but um i am happy to be podcasting tonight
1: the rag is still active around here the weather has dropped hasn't it
0: it dropped like it was like it was, like, 80 here yesterday, and it's, like, 60 today.
2: I, I was counting on it being, like, hot well into October, because the last two years it was kind of, like, really warm uh, until, like, the very end of October, and here it is, like, it's not yet October, and there's there's been multiple days where it's been, like, mm, 65 is the high, which is great, but... I was kind of hoping for like some some short weather to continue for a little bit.
0: And I'm I'm really hurting today because like I was playing poker with some wrestlers yesterday, and the lights went out, and I got beaten by a chair that I think <laughs> Randy Orton in night vision goggles was like wielding, and I don't know why, but you know, whatever. Yeah, this yeah.
2: is from the the latest Raw for those who've not seen it.
0: Can Can I ask a question about that? Why would he disguise himself as a janitor? Wouldn't anyone? Wouldn't anybody reasonably? Involved with the WWE be like Hey Randy Orton why do you have that janitor outfit on?
2: You'd think Hey you're expecting it to make like logical sense
0: I know yeah. Bruce, Bruce I know people want to blame Vince But like I'm not even a fan of what Paul Heyman was doing or Paul Heyman's Booking in general But Paul Heyman's stuff Was far and away Like we're talking light years better than Bruce Pritchard's stuff. And Heyman's stuff wasn't even that particularly good.
1: If I remember the rumor correctly, Vince got Pritchard because Pritchard writes stuff that Vince likes. So, column A, column B, I think. Alright, let's go ahead and get our shoutouts in order. Uh, the first one will is to Collar and Elbow the Wrestling Brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's number four, capital C in corner, capital P and podcast, no spaces to save ten percent on your order. And Matt, our other shout out.
2: Uh, yeah, that would be to Epico Cologne or Al- Orlando Cologne. Sorry, I was using his uh, former name. Uh, he would not need to beat up a room full of legends in the dark <laughs> with, with or without <laughs> night vision goggles.
1: Big bulky night vision goggles. Yeah. God, it's Still, I just I don't even know what to think of that So, we have Something special going on for this episode uh, Brad, why don't you give us a little background
0: So, uh, we've got A um, Actually, I think it was the same guy that requested um, UK Rampage Requested we do um, The February 20th 1995 Episode Of Monday Night Raw
1: I'm not sure what to think. Is he trying to what is he trying to subject us to? Or does he just want to? <laughs> uh, he we'll
0: might he might that. have just watched it and wanted like a review of it. Like I couldn't I could I could see that. Um yeah, that's fair. I mean I think I think he probably couldn't do much better than this for a nineteen ninety five RAW.
2: I don't so I'm sure I was watching during this time. But, I don't i guess remember so many like squash matches or Java matches
0: they they stuck with that until Nitro came along when it was starting to like push them push them hard. I tended to remember when I've gone back to these not every week was this squash heavy, but you usually had a couple squash matches and then a feature main event, and then you might have another match that was competitive but Mm-hmm. I feel like it was a little more. It was squash heavy. It wasn't. It was probably not this squash heavy. This was a. Uh... Also, weird use here. of jobbers in this um, this show of like who they had doing jobs.
2: Yeah. Like, I knew
0: who. Because, like, I, I knew who three of them were.
1: Um. I knew who won.
2: I knew who won was.
0: Yeah. I knew Mark Starr because he was in WCW and he's like on a lot of Raws doing job duties. And then um, Gary Sarbaugh in the first match was the Italian Stallion when I looked at
2: Yes. I was okay. going to discuss that when we
0: got to that match. I had
1: I had no frame of reference on that. But...
0: So, That's like a JCP this... stalwart right there.
1: Yeah. This was uh, raw from February twentieth, nineteen ninety five, from Macon, Georgia. I don't know about you guys, but this just did not look like a very big venue for them. Um, it looked kind of small.
0: It le- it probably looked, be- it was full though, so I think that was probably yeah. good. But right off the bat, Vince's like brings up the Almond Brothers, and I Google like because I knew I knew that was a dated reference, but I wanted to see how dated it was. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, Vince. They were doing their first reunion in the late
1: 70s. (laughs) Vince, this show actually... God, he was so bland, like, the entire show.
0: Actually, this is a pretty Uh, good... This was actually a pretty inoffensive Vince performance for the time frame. Like, some of his excesses are really reined in. Like, quite a bit, because he wasn't doing that, like... One, two, like, you know, that. One, uh, two, man. three, yes, he's got yeah. him. Oh, no, that's what counts. <laughs> it,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, I am just watching this, and I'm like, wow, Vince's commentary is, like, it, it was just, it was just bland. It was, it was like white bread or something. There was just nothing, there just didn't seem to be much there. The and, other like, thing. He, um,
0: when they bring Cornette yeah, no, they, out, he and, like, Cornette don't interact, like, at all.
1: Right, like, he lets, like, Cornette's doing commentary for this, and he just kind of lets Cornette go. And then after Cornette does his thing, Vince is like, back to action. And it's like, okay.
0: And Cornette was actually playing it really weird. Like, Cornette was obviously heel, but Cornette was, like, kind of, like, Cornette was kind of playing it down the middle with a heel leaning on everything.
1: Yeah. Just just slightly heelish. Yeah, I've got to be honest. His Cornette on commentary for this entertained me. That was one of the more entertaining things in this show for me. Um just just the way he rattled some stuff off and it it was that was amusing. Um as amusing as or entertaining as uh a lot of stuff on the show was yeah but he did the thing that struck me for his commentary is he did such a great job um talking up the people in the ring so it wasn't just you know these guys are having he's he spent a lot of time talking them up like trying to impress that what a big deal um some of this stuff would be, or the potential of what could happen, or that something Like, he spent a lot of time playing it up, which I don't know, it, it, you know, I, I haven't watched WWE show in a while now, but it seemed to me that what I kept running into was that they would do, they didn't play anything up unless it was like camera cuts to guys at ringside talking about this thing that's about to happen. And then you have play-by-play with slightly biased play-by-play with the play-by-play.
0: And... and you know, Gorilla was always... I always thought Gorilla was good at... Um, at hyping people up. I know I know, it's like a... I know it's like a meme and a joke, but I always thought... like the... when Greg Valentine's, you know, getting his ass beat, and, you know, Monsoon sitting there, you know, like... You know, oh, you know, he's just a slow starter. You know, sometimes it takes him 15 or 20 minutes to really get going in there. Like, you know, you laugh about it now, but there's, like, a realism to that.
2: Yeah. Well, here we are, like, 20, 25, <coughs> excuse me, 25, 30 years later, and we still remember that. Yeah. You're just like, oh, yeah, Greg Valentine. It takes him, like, a long time to get get started.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's it's a way of selling the character that makes sense in context, you know, because you're saying, well, yeah, he's getting whooped now, but that's that's part of his thing. It takes him a minute to get going, and he let he lets the other guy wear himself out on him before he takes his shot.
0: And um, and with um with um Heenan and Monsoon, one of the things like when they were doing primetime wrestling, like. When he and Patera got in that thing and Patera, like, did that thing where he, like, injured Heenan's neck, um, Mm -hmm. on primetime wrestling for, like, two months, like, Gorilla Monsoon would, like, replay that while he had the neck brace on and he just thought it was, like, the funniest shit ever.
1: (laughs) I had forgotten about that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, like, I miss stuff like, I miss, like, stuff like that, um, too,
1: yeah, there there's a lot of just like everything else, there's a lot of personality that's been weaned out of the current T V product for WWE. But Yeah. Um we you you touched on this already. The first match of this, um, we get this little recap about Bam Bam Bigelow and Lawrence Taylor. And then Bam Bam has a match with Gary Saba. Seva, uh, I'm looking at it, how I wrote it in my notes, and I was so trying, Seba, so, to... Seba, yeah, okay. I
0: remember them saying it, now, what I, I thought it was interesting, was they had, I don't know why they used two lawyers, which, which was really weird, but they had supposed, uh, legal representation from Lawrence Taylor, saying that he will not be wrestling, is mm-hmm. Bam Bam's coming out,
1: yeah, they did, um, I don't I don't get because if the idea is that Taylor's supposed to be the face in this, you know, staring down the the mean, nasty Bam Bam Bigelow. Why are they doing the cower behind lawyers thing?
0: I think what I think what the idea is, is that LT got the best of him and Bam Bam has been running him down to try and goad him into a match to get revenge. And Lawrence Taylor's just like, I'm not a wrestler. Like, I think that's kind of what it is.
1: If that's it's, the case, I don't think it was executed well.
2: Yeah, it's kinda I,
0: like it it's did. kinda like those mm-hmm. angles, um impact is where I'm thinking of it. Like when Sting came and did his like one return match and he was like, nah, I'm gonna retire. And then the heels like were spying on him and his family, and he like flipped out and he's like, Fine, like I'm gonna, you know, come back just for the express purpose of kicking your ass. Like, there is kind of like that. Retired baby face and the heel like goading them out of retirement To get something they want
2: mm-hmm.
0: Like so I, There's a trope in there I just don't think it was executed well And I think having a Like the the second lawyer they used I thought did a better job of like trying to Convey what they wanted than the first one Like the first one was, Just looked like some Ambulance chaser that they found On like a 2am commercial <laughs> That you know represents you in your car crash and gives you, like, a meal at McDonald's after he's done, like, stealing all the money.
2: What were you going to say, Matt? Um, I agree. I don't think it was really executed well. Like, I didn't... I was kind of just like, well, this is a weird way to present this angle because, I mean, now here we are and with hindsight. We know that the match took place. Uh, but it was just... I, I I don't remember this when I was a kid, but I, I certainly didn't remember any like attorneys being involved prior, prior yeah. to it, and I don't feel like it really came off well.
0: If so you it,
1: were going to... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Finish your thought. Finish
2: your no, I just, it's a, it was a curious way to get things all over. I mean, I can kind of understand where they are going for. I just don't feel like it would it went if, well.
1: If you were going to do this and it was going to be the, the, the Lawrence Taylor's not going to show up attorney angle... Then I would take the way I would do it is I would say, you know, the the attorney would be reading a statement that says Lawrence Taylor currently under contract, whichever team he was on at the time, is not allowed by his contract to engage in such things. So what you do there is instead of saying, well, Lawrence Taylor ain't going to show up. Well, you think about that and he's supposed to be the baby face, You say, well, he's not he's not going to be showing up, but it's not because he doesn't want to. It's because he's restricted in some way from doing it. and then um, then that way, you know it doesn't it doesn't cast anything on him as the face. His hands are he can't be there because his hands are tied instead of um, you know well, he's, he's just not gonna show up because mm.
0: yeah, I think that's better. You know what's funny about that angle is that angle actually begat us um Steve Mongo McMichael and WCW.
1: Like Mongo as a whole?
0: Well, so when they do the match at Mania, he had like LT has like a bunch of um guys come out to like be his like backup from the million dollar corporation and um Mongo is one of them. Huh. Which is actually funny, because he's with the Green Bay Packers at the time, and then when he's, like, in WCW, he's all about the Bears again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that... uh, Okay, quick, quick Mongo reference. I guess he decided to quit digging in the dirt with farm implements, right?
0: Yes. (laughs) And Pepe might have had... Pepe might have gotten a taste for that wrestling money and wanted him to get <laughs> back. Was it Pepe? Was that the little chihuahua? Uh, I, I...
1: No, Pepe was the uh, stick horse.
0: They could have both been Pepe, I guess. Hmm. I want to do the that angle. We should do that angle on the, sh- on the show one time because one of my best laughs ever in wrestling was Norman Smiley running riding Pepe back and throwing it in a wood and Chavo like freaking the fuck out. Like I laughed so hard at that.
2: Uh, looking it up on the magics of the internet, it is Pepe. Okay. Pepe apparently is a lot of different. Oh, okay. Mascots uh, of sorts in, in the wrestling world.
0: Did the, did the Taco Bell Chihuahua ever have a name?
1: You know what? I don't know. Not that I remember.
0: No, I don't think so. But
1: the, um, this match, we had a whole bunch, we basically had Bam Bam doing impressive Bam Bam things. He threw an enziguri in it, and uh, (laughs) Corny shilling for Bam Bam the entire time, which, I'm trying to build the angle, I guess.
0: I was a minute um, and a half into this and I was angrily texting you guys like why is Bam Bam giving this guy anything?
2: Yeah. That's something I wrote down in my notes. I was like, Why is this fat jobber like, This guy who'd giving, be
0: my plumber?
2: Yeah, giving offense to Bam Bam. I didn't initially realize it was uh it was Italian stallion. I was yeah, I watching this and like, why does this guy look like he looks like a fatter Italian stallion? And then I looked up <laughs> the name Gary's Gary Sabo or Sabo Sabah. And it was like, oh shit, that is the Italian Stallion. Yeah. Which I know because I watched a lot of like old uh like Jim Crock promotion slash WCW Saturday night. And yeah. so I'm I was I'm well versed in Italian Stallion. Like Italian and Stallion. You'd, you'd actually
0: up. see Stallion win a couple of matches here and there too.
2: Yeah, he was like an upper tier jobber. He was like He could
0: SD Jones level.
2: Yeah, he could like get wins over like uh, like uh, Colonel Buddy Buddy Parker, maybe, or the Gambler, but he wasn't gonna be beating uh, he wasn't gonna be beating your even your lower level heels.
0: Yeah, you know, speaking about him being a fatter Italian style, you know, who was fat as fuck on this show because I want to mention it now before I forget. Man, at the end when Tatanka jumps Chief J Strongbow, like. Yeah. <laughs> what a fat piece of shit he was.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That... If if there was ever any time when someone was going to... When I don't... Uh, someone was going to say, he's like, you know, Jay Strongbow is actually Italian. You just shoot to that. <laughs> That's not right of me to say. I'm sorry, but... I don't even know why they would do that.
0: that. I don't know if they could get him back up again if he fell on his back. <laughs> I think it'd be a lot like a turtle Flipping on its back
2: I well, uh... I think we've talked about it before But to me like one of the most inadvertently Funny angles was when IRS Was like beating the shit out of Chief J Strongbow And tearing up the feathers And he had Tatanka just sitting there Having to play like he was upset And going why Why would he do this and i forget who it was on commentary but they were like oh he just repossessed the, the headdress <laughs> and i was just laughing
0: there's a there's a good there's a good there's a good um there's a good honky tonk command shoot where he goes off on chief jay strongvo as an agent
2: oh really yeah cuz he yeah. talks oh. about
0: how like if your family or something would be waiting there for you like he'd make you go on last but he said what would really piss him off is they'd bring, like, the job guys in, and he'd tell the job guys, like, now, you know, don't, you know, now fight back and, like, um, you know, don't give it to him, and the honky-tonk would be like, well, like, well, the guy's here to make me look good, now I'm gonna have to kill him? Because you're telling yeah. him to, like, put up a fight? Like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. Man, Honky hates Strongbow so much. It Savage just, hated it him, It comes too. up all the time. I have to look up Savage's thing, but.
0: Uh, and a honky tonk was pretty much like he must have ruined so many guys, like with his name Yeah,
1: he's he's. It's like every shoot you do, he comes up with something new to hate about Jay Strongbow.
0: Yeah. So but this, was this okay. First... okay like uh-huh. I like um Bam Bam does a good diving headbutt. I like the Zinzaguri, but like, this really did not serve the purpose of putting Bam Bam over, like if I would have done this, I would have had him pretty much enziguri him and then headbutt him and knock him off in like 30 seconds, especially like a guy coming off of a suspension, Mm -hmm. what they said, like he should have, he should have run him over in like under a minute.
2: And yeah. In in the context of history, like what we know now, like Bam Bam was, went, was going on to main event WrestleMania against LT Yeah, and even if LT was, you you always were going to have him go over. Like that's fine, but what you don't want to, you don't want to build the guy up to make it seem like he's going to just steamroll LT. You don't want to have like more drama. You don't want to make him strong, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, I always had heard that you know, Bam Bam, that the Click you know had their issues with him, but this is just like negligent booking. It's like you have a guy who. You're going to have, even if you want to, I mean, what was a thought process? Was it to just make him look like a chump? Because then if LT beats him, it's like, all right, well, he beat a chump. And so like he did, he doesn't damage like a, a wrestler that you've spent a lot of time investing in. I still don't think that's the right way to go. You basically had him going out there and struggling in a like, four-minute match against a job. He
0: was bumping for a guy that looked like a plumber. It wasn't even like he yeah. was bumping yeah. for Coco Beware. He was bumping for Gary Sabo. Yeah, we can't even remember how to say his name from moment to moment.
1: Yeah, the, it, this match was unremarkable except for the fact that Bam Bam should not have been had not have taken hardly anything from him. Like, like I'd be
0: fine if I'd be fine if 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 um, I'm just gonna call him Italian Stein because I'm just tired of butchering his name. That's
2: so much easier. to Do it. Yeah.
0: Like if if. Say if if Stallion had had like a flurry of offense and like drop kicked him a couple times, maybe came off the 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 ropes a couple times and clotheslined him and couldn't get Bam Bam down, and then Bam Bam like just ensnared him and then it did the diving head But he was bumping for him. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. Bam like Bam should bumped, not have left his feet to bump. In he took match.
0: a snapmare. Like what? Yeah. You like a guy his size does not take snapmares from jobbers
1: it's with the build. like if you put this in a bubble and say okay if you consider it just by itself then the match is pretty unremarkable but in the build that's supposed to happen this is terrible
0: the only time you should take offense from a jobber like this is if it's like ray trailer and jcp and they're going to start to push him as like a name guy and then you have like you have like random squashes where Ivan Koloff goes long with him and has to cheat to beat him because you're going to then push him.
1: Mm-hmm. You've got guys, if they can afford to cycle just random job guys in,
0: well, they, they, these no guys are no reason. All, these guys are all local, I bet, is why right. you saw the, the group you did.
1: Right, but hang with me. If you're going to just cycle in random jobbers random local jobbers from wherever you're going to be doing stuff, there is no reason to worry about keeping them strong. Because no. they're not going to show up on your TV again. They're just they're just there to fill that spot, which means that it's a cardboard cutout getting beat up, and you don't sell for a cardboard cutout. Now, if you're in a place where you've got to keep... You've got a smaller roster and it's in your interest to keep everybody on the roster at least a little stronger, sure. I get it. Okay, fine. Um, but in this case, no. Mm should have just like you said, should have just squashed him flat. And
0: and like in like Stallion didn't even so I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda transition us into the next match with this statement, but um stallion did not even do for bam bam like the things rip rogers did for adam bomb yeah Yeah. while getting less offense in
1: well let's go ahead and transition to that match yeah um because this was adam bomb aka brian clark versus rip rogers um now clark was doing some pretty impressive stuff brian clark's pretty big guy uh I I didn't. Uh, I was kind of wondering if we were going to see him bust out the meltdown in this match or not. Um, but the the it, it's kind of it could be easy to miss if you're not looking for it. But Rogers just makes him look so good in this match.
0: Rogers is like Rip. Rogers was low key like the most entertaining character on this whole show. To be honest hmm. with you.
1: He just did... He did such a good... He did such a good job making like, just Adam his Bomb facial look facial
0: expressions. Good.
1: Yeah. But he just did such a good job making Harry look good. Like, the whole time, Harry looked good... Or, not Harry. What am I doing? Adam Bomb looked good in this because of how... Because you can tell, you know, Adam Bomb's... Brian Clark, He's he's alright, but, you know, he's still... Still working some stuff out a little bit. Um,
0: you know what's funny too um, about Rip Rogers, like remember when Adam Cole did that match with Pat McAfee and everyone was like swooning that Pat McAfee looks so much better than like the Performance Center guys. You know who trained him on the side, Rip Rogers.
1: Rip Rogers, yeah. 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 You may McAfee have even mentioned had, that. Yeah, he's had yeah. The, the the wrestling ring in his barn for. Years and then he would just train Rogers to come up and, and work with him.
0: I haven't seen near enough of him as a push guy, but like just from just from like the two or three minutes he had here, Rip Rogers is so good at wrestling.
2: Yeah, he was actually really good. Did he? Did he ever have? I guess I should look it up. Did he ever have like a sustained push somewhere other than like GWF? Because I, I remember him in GWF, and I remember how he he actually got like a push he was basically like in the main heel stable
0: I think he got like pushed in um like continental and uh, maybe like
2: he started like in the 70s I think so he could have had like late 70s early early 80s could have had
0: I think he got pushed in ICW like the the, the version uh,
2: it looks like that's I'm looking it up. Yeah, he. Wow. He. Oh my God, Gary. Royal. <laughs> yeah, that's that takes the name back. He apparently was part of a stable or a, a trio with Pez Watley, <laughs> Pistol Pez Watley, and Gary Royal in Angela Papa's ICW. Yeah. I
0: would
2: have. Is there footage of that? Like
0: I. I've I seen footage of never like seen
2: um, anything of ICW. I've
0: seen footage of. Pez Watley Tied up in like a closet or something (laughs) No there's stuff out there um, There's a good good Good-ish like um, Randy Savage or Crusher Broomfield Match on TV and that's like a really Young one man gang that they like Pulled off the street and trained And there's some like Really good like off the walls Like Randy Savage promos and there's a couple other odds and ends. I could I could go digging. Like, I found stuff here and there, and it's a very, um... I wouldn't call it good, but it is an, it is an experience. I think there's
1: uh, some Rip Roger story somewhere in Foley's first book, but I can't remember the context to it off the top of my head.
0: I think it's kind of like, um... <clears throat> ICW's kind of like what would happen if you let Ed Wood loose on a wrestling promotion. <laughs> it gave him like Randy Savage to build around. Wow. I mean, like if it gives you an idea of what ICW is like, I believe Jeff Sword and Doug Vines got like a push as a legitimate tag team there.
1: Hmm.
0: Wow. And Lanny Poffo wore a suit of armor. <laughs>
1: Um, just, just, you know, this match was fine. Um, you know, Rogers did a great job bumping for Adam bomb and Adam bomb did a pretty good job as a, he he was, he was kind of weird. I get like, it felt like he hadn't quite found himself yet and that's, that's okay. Like it was working, but it wasn't, this was not like Brian Clark and what he would grow into eventually.
0: This felt like a good matchup for him because it feels like Rip like led him through a good like three minute match. Yeah. But it felt yeah. it felt like it felt like Rip holding him by the hand and really like kind of like give it. And you know the funny thing was, the funny thing was like comparatively on the show, this was probably the most overmatch on the show because I think the crowd knew who Rip Rogers was, but he was <laughs> also like. I think more engaging, and I think they liked Atom Bomb, but they also had, like, a fairly good match in the time they were allotted.
2: It was a perfectly fine little match. Yeah. yeah. Helped by the fact that Rip was, you know, he was going to bump around for him. This was towards Adam Bomb's, like, the end of his tenure there. It's funny that he'd do do much better things as Wrath and I guess as himself, Brian Clark. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, he's the only person I have ever heard speak poorly of Jim Ross. Like, he really despised Jim Ross and apparently at some point was promised an Intercontinental title run. So, um... I would say that it's it's pretty fair to assume they did not part on, on great terms.
0: It just it shocks me that he was not bigger in wrestling. Like I don't think he was like any great shakes in the ring. But he wasn't terrible and he had a good he, look. He
1: he was good in the ring. He was he was fine. He was, he was good in the ring. He had an amazing look. You just look at that the the face and his build and the way he carried himself. Like, to me, he screams heel.
2: Yeah, Like,
0: that, and,
1: that guy right there screams heel.
0: And he didn't necessarily... He didn't have, like, um... I guess this will kind of semi-segue us into the next part, but, like, he didn't have, like... He didn't have that weird, like... Mega charisma that Sid has. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, uh, Like, Sid just has... Like, Sid might suck in the ring and people rip on him now. But, like, even if you still, like, watch him, like, in footage now, like, he has, like, there's something. I don't know what it is. You can't put your finger on it, but you watch when Sid's, like, on the TV screen. Even if it's bad, like, the entrance, like, the intensity, like, there's just, um... There's just something about Sid. Like, I I recently watched, like cause we talked about it in another show and I sent it to Shad, but like his ECW debut is like really good.
1: Yeah. That's my favorite Sid <laughs> anything is that ECW guilty is charged.
2: He had a set had, he did have like a charisma. He had like an intensity, which, um, you can't really like replicate that. Like it has to just be natural. Yeah. Um, I, I, if i could take a step back a moment i actually agree that i i'm a little surprised that brian clark wasn't bigger i until honestly he went to wcw i don't think i liked his his work i didn't think he's very good um and i've seen some of the now i've now seen some of like the smw stuff and i don't think he's good at all but at the same time like he he had a really good look and he's exactly the type that Vince Love back in the day, like just a big guy, he could move around. Like you yeah. would have thought, you would have thought they would have probably been able to do a better gimmick with him. And then, uh, I guess Hogan had kind of transitioned out. You would have thought they could have done like some stuff with him, and maybe like Lex Luger or somebody. I don't know.
1: It feels like that the the Adam Bomb gimmick is one that was at the bottom of a stack of papers. You just pulled out, I'm like yeah, this is good. Go
0: for it. Dude, um, the goggles are so stupid, <laughs> and they have that like shit on him that makes him a little glowy, and it's like really distracting. You
1: yeah, think, like, uh,
0: I kept thinking like something was wrong with like the video I had of it, and I'm like, why is he like all weird? And I'm like, oh, they have like paint on him or something.
1: Yeah, they had some sort of weird stuff on him, and then at one point in his career as Adam Bomb, he had like the little Nerf footballs that they cut the back off of and put a little thing on to make them look like little bombs that he's winging into the crowd. Oh, really? Yeah, briefly. Oh, wow, I'm, I missed out on that. It's it's a tiny little detail that for some reason stuck in my head.
0: Because it's so you stupid put, you wouldn't forget <laughs> it.
1: But you move him over to... Um, you move him over to WCW and they have him start doing the heel thing and that really fit better. Like, I think... He, he, as as goofy as WCW was, uh, especially towards the end, him and and Brian Adams and Chronic really worked. Like they were, you know, you put the two of them together, that really works. And so, uh, you know, I, I thought, uh, I, I I I liked what he did. You just didn't see a whole lot of it.
0: I think, um, I think in WCW when he was Wrath, like. When they gave him that music that gave him like the shameless rip-off of um, the opening riff of like Running with the Devil was really good for him.
1: I'd need to go listen to that. Um, I'd have to find that.
0: So we have the King's Court up next. Um, and this is Shawn Michaels introducing his new bodyguard, Sid.
1: Yeah, Michaels comes out to announce a new bodyguard and then he spends like two or three minutes padding for time. And I'm not sure why. It's a one hour show. It's like, why are you padding for time? And then Sid comes to cut a promo about why he's Sean's bodyguard and it's like, well, maybe he's trying to give Sid less time to work with. Because Sid cuts a promo about why he's Sean Michael's bodyguard without saying why he's Sean Michael's bodyguard.
0: You know what Um, I don't... What I don't... So... Overall, I'm gonna say I did I did like this segment as a talk segment. I liked the stuff Lawler did beforehand, and um, I liked the stuff with Sean. And they did a good job of like just moving two storylines forward pretty seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my problem with with this was is why would Sid be someone's bodyguard? That doesn't really make sense for his character. And even Cornette kind of said it later. Yeah, what
1: did What did he do to get? To get him to be the bodyguard, the the promo he's like, you know why? You know people ask Sid, why are you Shawn Michaels' bodyguard? Because when we stand shoulder to shoulder, I'm Sid, and I'm cutting out a little bit, but not a whole lot. He 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 never actually answers the question. i just like, well, and then Vince follows it up with well strong words from Sid and Shawn Michaels. I'm like, were they really?
0: I mean, I'd be kind of disappointed if Sid actually, like, coherently answered, like, the question. He'd be like, well, <laughs> uh, Mr. Lawler, like...
1: No, just just put an actual reason in there. That's all I wanted. I don't want you to be... Sid's not going to be coherent. That's fine. But just... Give me... Just, just throw me a bone, okay? Don't...
0: I mean... I, I prefer what what you get with Sid, though. Where he's like, "Well, Mister Lawler, like, just hold on one second while I do this line of cocaine, so I can properly answer your <laughs> question." <laughs>
2: <sighs> <sighs> Matt, you hold on. Over I there. gotta
0: go for another line. I'm not quite no. there yet. Okay. Oh, okay.
2: Uh, my favor- I'm just gonna throw out that my favorite and really the only um, the only Sid. Promo that I ever liked is the one where he just goes. But I'm the master, the ruler
1: of the world. That's that intensity you were talking about.
2: <laughs> it just—it is intensity, and it's actually a good promo for Sid. It's—it—it it comes off well. I always just found that a funny promo.
1: Well, you had anybody else do that?
2: Oh, they would look, look like would a goofball.
1: S- yeah, it'd be sad.
2: But when it's like a seven foot dude who looks like he's legit crazy, yeah, like
0: legit would would um get a squeegee to beat you with,
2: yeah.
1: I am the master and the ruler of the softball
0: diamond,
1: uh, you know, something like that. But
0: I, someone randomly put it in a video the other day. I was watching of him breaking his leg, and I was just like, oh
1: my, oh God. oh no, God, no. Oh, I don't need to see that again.
0: I know, and he managed to wrestle again after that. I'm shocked that he ever...
1: I'm sure he had rods in his leg after that. Holy (laughs) shit. I guess it's good he was wearing the boots, because that probably kept it from being worse.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Um, I actually thought the Lawler talking part was the best of this when he was calling Bret Hart a racist. Uh, (laughs) I actually thought that was... The best part of the promo. I was having problems with the Michaels thing because I remember there the '95 WrestleMania match, mm-hmm. and I was having um, I was having a real hard time conflating Michaels with um, playing such a hard heel here versus like what we got at Mania, and um, it was really confusing me. Like, because they they have him play like this, you know. He kind of plays like the, the underdog that won't die at Mania. And I was wondering if that was like them clicking it up. But like it really made this promo not work in the context of knowing how the match plays out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. The next match that I have here in my notes was the Blue Brothers versus Local Jobbers.
0: Oh, uh this is Mark Starr and um what did they call him? Hold on. I, I looked at, I have it right here. It's like um uh it is they were calling him Leroy Howard here. Okay. Mark Starr's n- noted he's he jobbed in he's he jobbed in <clears throat> WWF forever and he jobbed in WCW for a couple of years too.
2: Yes, but he uh, he was briefly part of a jobber tag team called Minute Work with a a young Chris Canyon. Okay, it was oh, Chris Canyon right? That. Yeah, I
0: think so. Yeah,
2: before you he should... became Mortis. Wait, who you was? ahead? Should... Le... No, no, no.
1: It's all right. Go ahead.
2: Who was
0: Leroy Brown? I looked him up and I thought for a minute that he was Rasta the Voodoo Mon because he had a name called Rastamon, but it wasn't the same guy. Uh, I don't okay. really know. He They don't have much for him. I would really probably have to dig. I'm guessing he was like some Georgia indie guy they brought in for like the for the show. But I my So my takeaway from this was, and I think I went on this rant when Shad <laughs> mentioned who they were, but man like what this is such a Vince. like the blue brothers and uncle zedekiah or whatever his name is is Mm -hmm. such a vince thing because like i'm not gonna sit here i'm not gonna sit here and say like the harris brothers or some like forgotten gem of a tag team but like they had a track record of working a certain way in territories at the time and um you have them come out and act like they don't know what a, what a fricking camera is.
1: Yeah. Vince loves hillbillies, loves hillbillies. And I suspect it's so he can have someone on his show that he feels good looking down on, even if it's a gimmick. Um,
0: but it's it's like you, you, um, I think, and I think DOA was a better usage of the Harris brothers.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: but like you have this mid-level tag team. Like, why can't they just be a couple of badasses that beat people up that um, you can throw against the faces and have them like get one over on?
1: I there's so much about this that just doesn't doesn't work. Uh, the the Blue Brothers. The, they don't, they don't look good here. Like the hair, you know, as the DOA or as the Harris brothers or whatever, you know, they were fine. But something about this just like took the wind out of their sails. they
0: were trying to, they, they were having them do too much. They were trying to do like fancy stuff and it looked all awkward and weird when they should just be beating people up, which is what they did as the DOA.
1: Did you notice that the, whichever one screwed up the finish at the end doing a leg drop?
2: Yeah,
0: it looked
1: yeah, yeah, he he went to do a leg drop, and hit the foot, the leg he was dropping, he landed with the foot sole down first. And it's like, wow. Wow. That's and not... That's why is not it
0: Dutchman Tell only gets terrible, like, names and uh, gimmicks when he works in WWE?
1: I don't know. Um
0: Actually I liked his I liked his last run, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Zeb I'm
2: Col I'm Zeb Coltry, Zeb- yeah.
0: I, I loved like when he would come out in the rascal scooter and stuff, like <laughs> yeah. they just never use they never utilized him well enough.
1: That seemed to be an awful short stint. Um
0: Uh he was there for like two years, wasn't he? I, he got kind of screwed because uh Alberto Del Rio was like you know, Alberto Del Rio, and yeah, quick. did he
2: did he get suspended or, or fired during that period, or leave something like that, this, right? W-
0: this was he had come back because the the earlier firing cause he, he hit that guy for some reason. I think this was because he was, um, I think, um, I think he got a little too deep into that uh, that booger sugar, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, Um, that's like I think when they let him go is about the time like there was a new like page incident like every other week with the two of them doing stuff.
1: I do not know
0: because remember remember Impact brought him in for like two weeks and he blew that up like really quick.
1: And I know he's got the 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 reputation for burning bridges. But I never bothered to keep track of them.
0: I think he burnt the Lucha Underground bridge too.
1: It wouldn't surprise me. There's a um, uh, What am I looking for here? Del Rio fits in the realm of Guys, I'm aware we're in WWE, but I didn't ever watch. Um,
0: he was not- he was okay, but they really screwed him because there was this point where they were grooming him to be WWE champion and they jobbed him at like two key points that really like just destroyed him and then they put the belt on him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I I don't I, he was also, I think because I'm I'm grasping for things to add that haven't already been said, but I think he was a a huge proponent of two very dumb spots. He was very big on the flying nothing. He didn't even like put his arms up for an axe handle or anything. He'd just kind of jump off the rope vertically to take a boot or something. And the Um, set the guy up in the corner, have them hanging there, but the guy has to be trying to pull himself up for him to do that top rope stomp spot. Oh yeah. That's a, such a dumb spot.
0: He had a cool entrance though with like the, the expensive cars and he had his own ring announcer.
1: I mean, you know, JBL entrance with a, with a twist, I guess.
0: Except his ring announcer was a better worker than he was and they never let him wrestle <laughs> because you know, it's WWE and we can't let um, people work to their strengths. Oh shit, what's his name now too? <sighs> it's gonna drive me nuts. Oh well. He was a better his his ring announcer is like a really solid like in ring guy and they just wouldn't use him because he was small, so he left the company.
1: Yeah. Um let me see. Cornet was amusing in this one again because they had this whole thing about them being from the Appalachians and him being from the Smokies and how they weren't the same thing and how these guys were from so far up in the hills they didn't know XYZ and they only saw like two hours of sunshine a day and that sort of stuff at least for me that was amusing
0: I hated this just because like th- their gimmick is bad enough if they didn't have them pretty much acting like cavemen
1: yeah it, it it's that dumb hillbilly stereotype again, and yeah. I didn't like it. Like Cornette amused me because his, he turns a phrase very quickly in in a way that tickles me. But uh, no, I, I th- those gimmicks and that stereotype just they need to roll over and die. They need to be done.
0: Well, hey, he was right, um, Brody Lee. Is amounted to nothing because he can't use a southern accent.
2: <laughs> yeah. Vince loves his hillbillies. He he always has and he always will. I
0: think I think I think his I think his upbringing because he grew up in like from what I know I've read he grew up like super poor in like a trailer park in North Carolina. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And I think um I think that's just where a lot of a lot of that comes from. mm Hmm. I don't know Vince. Vince, I don't think had a normal childhood. He's very bizarre.
1: Yeah, I don't think he did. No, um, that moves us on into the main event, um, which was Intercontinental Champion Jeff Jarrett with the Roadie. So
0: versus... I didn't like um, I didn't like Jarrett's attire because I do not like attire where the belt is under their jacket. That is a pet peeve
2: ah, of mine. Gotcha.
1: You know, it's it's funny you say that because it, I, I just watched a shoot interview uh, last week, I think, that they had with superstar Billy Graham when he dropped the title to Bob Backlund. He said, I don't have a problem doing that. But the way Backlund behaved after they dropped the title to him was frustrating because, you know, Backlund had like the robe and everything <clears> then. And they're like, Bob, where's the belt? And he's like, well, I have it on under my robe. And they go, Bob. Bob. Open up your robe so people can see the belt. He goes, but but I like my robe, and and you're supposed to wear a robe clothes. And it's like, Bob, what are you doing? Don't do, like. Eventually, they made him go to the, like the jacket and everything. But if you've got the belt, be proud of it. You have it out where you know it's shown off.
0: See now, I now I do have. There there can be a slight disagreement there. Backlund not be the person, but. Sometimes when Harley Race was the champion, he would wear it under his robe. But then okay. when he took his robe off, it was like a big unveil of like, yeah, motherfuckers, like, <laughs> here's the belt. <laughs> like, I think if if you're doing it like that, where like, when you like take your robe off, it's like, it's like, yeah, like, what do you think about this? Like, I, I'm fine with that because I think there's something to be said about that.
1: What did, um... Did Flair ever wear it under his robe? Or if he had the belt in his robe, did he wear the robe open?
0: No, Flair always had it over. But Flair always... Flair was always, like... The belt was always prominent, like, with what Flair did. Like, if... Because cause it's a lost art that I hate that wrestlers don't do it now. But I always love like, the old, like, world champions. When they'd be doing the interview and they're just holding the belt in their arm... Like, with it folded up in their arm. Like, just on display yeah. for the whole interview. Like, that is a lost art.
1: Um, That's something that Nick Aldis does very well.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: So or, um,
0: it's... or, like, when they used to have the old announce tables, they would just come over and they'd put the belt, like, on the table, like... like Yeah, in front up. of them. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah I always like that. They have it, like, folded in front of them... <clears throat> you can clearly see it it's uh it's prominently displayed i actually think the, I, i'm glad you him up because i actually really like nick aldis as a well that's the NW champ, but i actually think he has a lot of presence and most importantly with a lot of you don't it's kind of an old school thing but you don't see it as much as you should nowadays he really puts over like the championship and just like with the prestige of being the champion he truly tries to get that over um which I think helps because it builds up the title. It makes every title match he's in that much more important. Um, Yeah. And because there's something to be said, like obviously if you're a worker, like you want to hype yourself up, of course, but you also want to make championship itself its own thing. And I feel like that gets lost so much, especially in the WWE. Like I know they treat like the world championship kind of important, but every other title is basically like garbage. Like they, they could care less. But if yeah. you make it itself seem like a really big thing, then that that ultimately helps anyone who's going to hold that. It gives them a rub. It actually, that's I mean that's the whole point of being the champion. You are supposed to get a rub out of it. Mm-hmm. And I actually feel like AEW has done a good job with that. Like they've they've had very limited in the in the roughly year since they've it's actually I think about been a year that they've at least had TV. Yeah. So they've had at least like official champions in the year since they've had minimal title changes they've had like they had the inaugural like tnt champion with cody Rhodes, and he he lost it to Brody lee like that's only one title change right. there's only been two title changes for the uh the women's title there's been like what
0: no champion for the no they're on the the the, the uh second the tag just yeah. changed so they're yeah on that's the, the second
2: one so, so there's two title changes for the tag titles and then only one change for the world title it's like they've 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 been keeping it prestigious, mm-hmm. um, which I like, because again, I feel if there's not enough like giving prestige to stuff, even like new Japan, which I New Japan probably is the best with how things are booked, but they've been kind of like, they even flirt around with like, I won't say hot shotting, but almost hot shotting
0: new Japan, like new Japan, <laughs> new Japan keeps you guessing. Like they'll hot shot a couple times so yeah. that you don't, to keep you from thinking that, oh, this guy won the belt, so he's going to have it a year. So they throw in like, a, oh, no, this guy only kept it for two months. And now this guy's going to have it for two years. Like they they just they kind of go all over the place with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Actually, Chad I have a question. As yeah. someone who was in the wrestling business, so at least within like where you worked and your sphere of influence and your trainers and people that you might've talked to or might've mentored you is there within the industry is there as far as your experience were there considered to be acceptable and unacceptable ways to wear or present a championship belt. If you had one. Um,
1: if you, if you were going to be the champ, and then it was expected that you would present the belt in some way, right? You'd wear it or you'd have it over your shoulder or something. The exceptions to that were basically if you were someone who, and and to be honest with you, I think I was the only, ev- the only exception I ever saw in practice. But if you're someone who's not so much valuing having the title as keeping it away from other people, so, you know, my, my last run with the, that heritage title, the whole point was not Solomon's point was not, I won the title. I'm the best. It's I've taken away your golden idol. And so he didn't, Hey, you know, I'd walk to the ring with like chains wrapped around a belt and I'd just be carrying it down at my side. Cause I don't, I don't, he didn't, the gimmick was he didn't care that he had it. He just cared that he kept it away from you. But for the most part, it's like, you're the champ. Wear the belt. You know, don't hide it when you go out or anything. And pretty much everybody did. Everybody would wear it in a, a way that was visible. Um, it, 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 it never hurts, never hurts to have someone treat a title like it's important. That there's nobody, There, I, there's no downside to treating a title like it matters. Unless and it's the I call it the the, the nine tenths rule or the ninety percent rule or whatever. They there's never a reason to not treat it important unless there is. But the default yeah. setting is just treat it like it treat it like it matters.
0: You know it's funny you say that because so a couple years ago New Japan was getting a new IC title belt. Yeah. So uh, Naito was the was a heel and the IC champion at the times so they told him like well we're getting this new belt. So, hey, as part of your character, why don't you just fucking trash this belt by like abusing it all the time? So he had come out like he had finished his match and he would just kind of kick it down the ramp or he would just chuck it across the building. And it yeah. was like part of his character. So like during his reign, you would just see the belt getting more and more broken. And then the point of it was like the good guy finally beat him to save the title belt. And then they gave him like the new belt. So then he had like the new shiny belt.
1: Well, like Austin, for example, usually just carried the belt with him, but it worked for Austin.
0: Yeah,
1: I you, always you thought do that with everybody.
0: And I think like something like the NWO defacing the world title would not work anymore because the world title doesn't have that kind of value anymore.
2: <clears throat> no, it, it doesn't have it, which it, is it would really just, sad.
1: It would just be kind of expected. Um, last week. I think I've, I found I stumbled across somewhere Edge had done like a mock-up of what the vanity title for the radar superstar would be like you know because basically all they did is they took the spinner belt and they took the, the WWE piece out of it and they put in a piece that said Rated R in the middle and it didn't spin. but he had done up this whole thing with different plates and stuff that made it look different. and I hate that stupid spinner belt so much
0: we've talked about how many Yeah, we that belt.
1: we we've talked about that, but it would be nowadays it would just be oh, they're doing their own thing as opposed to taking a belt and defacing it. And it, it would just lose its At least in the WWE it would lose its um, it, it wouldn't have any impact.
0: You know what
1: I part Yeah, I was going to say oh, if you did that in AEW, people would be pissed.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say my favorite part about that though is when Hogan won it back from Luger. Like the new paint job was twice as obnoxious as the original one.
1: It was thicker. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's that that was good heel heat, but um, I mean, just how big a deal it was to see them in the back when Luger won it, taking the paint off of it was yeah. was huge. And I remember when Luger came out with it. He came out and he's wearing it and he takes it off and holds it up to the camera clean. Like being proud of how it looks now and that sort of stuff. That, that, was, that was great. I, um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a good rule to have unless it's not.
0: Or you could just be Stan Hansen and run it over with your truck because <laughs> uh, you're not giving
1: it back. No, if you're giving it back, you just you're trying to be insulting.
0: About it. I saw a shoot once where um where he he was like playfully trying to say that he didn't do that intentionally and he just happened to have it in his truck and it like fell out and he just ran over it numerous times before he realized like the belt had fallen out or something like that. It was quite humorous.
1: Yeah. I could see him doing that and just kinda of giving you this little side eye with a half smile.
0: Well, I believe I believe he went to Japan and defended it um, as the AWA World Champion, and then came back and ran it over. And oh,
1: okay. Because they were trying to cut him out of doing that, right?
0: Well, yeah, because I'd I'd have to go through it all again, but I, I believe um, I believe they changed the idea, <laughs> and Hansen was like, "Well, like I don't answer you to answer to you, I answer to Baba." So he called Giant Baba. Yeah. And um the rest is how shall we say history. Gotcha. So is anyone else struck on this match? I my first thought when they when I when they kinda of started the match, I'm like, wow, you're 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 feeding your IC champion to your, your world champion on TV for free, that's kinda of screwed up.
1: I, I had this thought of why are you having this just on Raw? But <clears throat> they're gonna do what they're gonna do.
2: It's curious because it was not presented as that big of a deal. And the match itself wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the match was bad. I actually wound up liking the match. But I feel it was like all that's Jarrett though. Yeah, like, I was about just, just about to say like that you can a hundred percent put that on, on Jared. Yeah. Who again, I feel like I've now like extolled Jeff Jarrett's virtues several times on this podcast, but I'm gonna reiterate like he Jeff Jarrett um, gets a lot of hate probably because he was pushed to the world title in the, the dying days of WCW and then obviously was very heavily pushed in TNA but he's a much better worker than he gets credit for and honestly like I felt he deserved a place in the, in the upper card remain event at the points he did so, and he was, he was good in this match. Like he, he's the reason this match was any good.
1: Jarrett, from my perspective, anyway, the, the problem that I had with Jarrett was he did like a very, you know, he reinvented himself in that, that attitude era, WWF run. Okay, cool. I, I get, he was, he was in WCW. He was part of the horseman. He got kicked out. He went to the WWF and kind of reinvented himself. Gotcha. No problem and then he went back to WCW and he was doing the same gimmick which, you know, okay, fine, he did that before. It wasn't exactly the Double J gimmick, but it was kind of similar, but the problem was that it was the people that had him working with. He was just so much smaller than and trying to work a style like he was bigger than, and he he seemed like a chihuahua with a megaphone. Like you know, his his bark was bigger than he was, and yet they still kept having him win, not by being a coward heel or anything. And it it just rubbed me the wrong way, the way it was booked. Now, in terms of context for TNA, like I get it at the time, it was really obnoxious. But I, I get what, like the extenuating circumstances rather. Right? Okay, fair enough. But just that that. In WCW run, there was just so much attached to it that just, I don't know, it just rubbed me the wrong way. That's not to take take away anything from him as an in-ring worker. He's a very good in-ring worker. And he throws one of the best in-ring punches I can remember.
2: Mm, Yeah, they were good.
0: My takeaway from this match is, I don't remember, like, Nash wasn't doing anything special, but Jarrett would just sell everything like death. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> Jarrett, I believe we all kind of agreed the term pinballing worked. And yeah,
0: I think I, I referred to Nash as a dead fish in this match a couple of times.
1: <laughs> um, Corny's color added a lot to this, and that's cool. There was a tug-of-war spot in the, about the middle of this match that cracked me up, where, like, I think Diesel had a hold of one arm and the roadie has a hold of the other arm, and they're trying to pull back and forth, trying to pull back and forth, and Diesel, like, pulls the roadie over the ropes into the ring. I thought that was a fun spot. Like, you know in the middle of what was supposed to be a serious match, you have kind of this little goofy aside. I'm I'm great with that.
0: You know, they really did screw Diesel up, because, like, when he's doing, like, the entrance and stuff, like, you get why he was popular going into this, but then, like, you can just tell they, like, like, in, like, the little promo he did beforehand, it's just like, ah, uh, come on, guys. It It's like he didn't.
1: It's like he he was just on autopilot through
2: here.
0: I will say he was he was built for this though. He was skinny and he had some muscle going on.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did actually. He was a great shape.
0: I don't know. Um, I just it there, there was a. I like this match, but it really kind of shows the absurdities of nineteen ninety five WWE. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah always it it was to me like looking at this again uh, after so many years seeing this era it was really fascinating to me cuz i don't i don't know if you caught this but there was all these like little um clips they were showing like of diesel like palling around with like uh
0: other NBA like sport, players?
2: yeah like sports celebrities uh like oh, that cal, was he was at, at some thing with like cal ripken junior and uh i think david justice and some other people and I was like, wow, like they were really trying hard to make Diesel like, obviously like the new guy, like the new Hogan. Yeah. And it just didn't work. And like, why do you think that was? Because he was, he's, if I recall, like it's always, the knock on him's always been like, he was one of the lowest drawing champions. And to me, I had to figure like, just looking at this match, it's like, he has a great look and presence, but he's just so fucking slow and even when he was doing like the the babyface comeback in this match, it's just like slow it's like lacking fire like I don't know like there's just nothing there yeah I
0: think um so I think the problem is is um well I've got to gather my thoughts here because it's, it's convoluted so one he didn't have great challengers outside of Sean and Brett. Cause then, like, they had him doing stuff like British Bulldog, Mabel, and um, Sid, and I don't think, um, I don't think anyone's gonna do well against um, British Bulldog or uh, Mabel in top, like, title programs at the top of pay per views. And I think if you're gonna do well with Sid, you can't be Diesel. Uh, but what I think the problem is is um, Vince's thinking was too binary at this time. And, um, the problem with Diesel is, like, he got over being a certain character, and then they went away from that character when they turned him face and put the title belt on him, and Vince was also still in that mindset that it was a babyface promotion, so I think you either needed Diesel to be heel, or you needed, like, you needed things to be a couple years later when that, um, he could be more of a tweener.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It... (sighs) Like watching this, it just, like, I don't know if this was, this was probably the height of Nash's drug use. Um, but it was, it was like Jarrett fed the comeback into him. And the comeback was real short. And maybe I'm, I'm backpedaling or I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit, but does it seem weird to anybody else that the whole time, the story being sold by commentary is Jarrett got the leg to take Diesel down because he uses the figure four as a finisher and never does it? Like, I mean... What, I, we, we talked about it on air a li- or before we, we started recording in the, like, well, it's a it's a TV match, you know, whatever. But, I don't know, it just seems wires got crossed somewhere or something. Or maybe it was Nash just going, huh? We ain't gotta do that. I was like, well, oh, crap. Because that that had the bones of like a really good match in it, you know. You got you got a technician like Jarrett chopping him down by going for the leg a lot, not once. So,
0: I think. Um, I also th- I think part of the problem is like they didn't have enough time. And it got cut off by the commercial, which the commercial stuff might have made it better. Mm. But I think I think Jarrett Jarrett's a good worker, but I don't think he has like that Brett or Sean ability to like drag Nash up those couple of pegs oh, to okay. get like that really excellent thing out of it. But I also think um, I also think those matches with Sean and Brett that Nash is not working underneath the whole time. Like I think the Mania match which is pretty good like he's actually working a little more heelish and sean's kind of like working underneath for that one
1: okay i don't he, someone like nash having him work underneath just that's work. hard to do that's really yeah. hard to
0: do and he's not sympathetic enough even as a face because he's so big like you don't really, like, part of part of working underneath is, like, building sympathy for your comeback. Yeah. And, um, Nash is kind of so big, and, like, I don't think he comes across sympathetic enough for him to work underneath like that. Yeah. I don't think, it just doesn't work.
1: You're yeah. absolutely correct. He spends so much time being cool, being Big Daddy cool, that it's like, you don't ever
2: empathize with him. Yeah. You just... Yeah. You know who, um, you want to give kudos to for like a big guy who I actually think is really good and who who doesn't have that problem. Because I actually will give credit to like a modern worker, Drew McIntyre, because Drew McIntyre is a big dude. He's about six six five, six and a half feet tall. Something like that. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, just I don't know how much he's, well, I don't know how much he's built as, but he I mean he's he's probably getting closer to three hundred pounds. Like he's a big dude and like just incredibly muscular. Yeah. But he he doesn't seem to have those problems. Like, he's believe, he's a big dude. So, like, a lot of – I mean, right now, certainly in this current era, there's a lot of guys who are smaller than him. But he doesn't uh, have
1: – Build height – I'm sorry, man. Just real quick. Ahead. Build height is 6'5". Build weight is 265. Mm. Yeah, but that but, makes him look so much bigger than everybody else.
2: Yeah. But he doesn't have those same problems. Like, he's, he's much quicker. He can definitely, like, sell. I know it's not quite – it's not a fair comparison because I think Drew McIntyre just in general is a much better worker than Nash ever was. But
0: and yeah, Nash's charisma is, Nash's charisma and character don't work. I think in that standard heel face thing. Like, if you're cheering for Nash, I think you want to cheer for Nash because like, Nash is that dude you want to like sit next to at the bar and like BS with for like a couple hours. And I think like that's why. People would find him likable as like he's because of his personality, but that doesn't necessarily translate into being like a sympathetic baby face.
1: No, you want to see him, you know, kick the crap out of some people. Yeah, you, that, that was the thing that got him over was that dominant Royal Rumble performance. Was it wasn't um it wasn't that uh, you know it wasn't that Nash was scrappy and fighting from underneath. It's a, he kicked the crap out of a bunch of people and eliminated a bunch of people from the Rumble. So, yeah,
0: even like even like Austin a couple years later like thinking back on a lot of his like matches during his big run, like he didn't necessarily fight underneath. He um he was fighting against odds, but like if you just had him in a one-on-one situation, like it was more of a back and forth. Um like brawl all over the arena kind of thing.
1: Yeah. He would just wail on you.
0: Yeah. And even, like, The Rock, I think, in his... Oh, sorry, guys. His height is a face. He was not a sympathetic underneath guy. And even, like, Foley, as sympathetic as he was, like, he didn't necessarily work underneath either. Like, he did at he did times, but other times, he was just this crazy motherfucker that was going to...
1: I would say that he kind of worked underneath... Uh, more than about anybody else, but it wasn't so much like sympathy. You're just on the edge of your seat and waiting for him to to come back and wipe the other guy out.
0: Yeah, at least for it, for Foley. It, it's it, it. He did work underneath, but I don't think it was as in the sense that you would necessarily th- think of it.
1: He wasn't working underneath in the classical sense.
0: Yeah, like not the Shawn Michaels or like the Bret Hart
1: or the Diamond Dallas Page. Page yeah. worked from underneath a lot.
0: Yeah. So. Or even like Gold, even like Gold Dust when he was like a face. Like I think a classic working from underneath match in recent memory is like the Cody Dustin match.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Because that's that's got like the perfectly timed like is a good match that like that has like. Dustin gets, like, the perfect, like, hope spots in there. He gets them in the right spots. He gets enough of them to get the crowd behind him and, and to make the crowd think that he actually has a chance before he actually loses.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, being I mean, I, working I, I, working from underneath is harder than people give it credit for because you got to walk the line between selling and dying. And... Um, then whenever you and you've got to have enough fire in your comeback for people to get behind you.
0: But I also think I also think I also think um there is a legitimate argument to be made that Dustin Rhodes has like might be the best baby face comeback in all of wrestling. If we're not talking about Ricky Morton, who I would more count for just pure selling.
1: I would need to dive into that a little bit more because it's um, there's uh, I'd, I'd want to find that out some
0: yeah we need to do like a Dustin Rhodes like spotlight show at some point I think there's a couple good tags I'm there
1: on because, board with that
0: because I would if, if we were to do that just doing that I think I would do that one with him I think it's him and Barry Windham against like the Miracle Violence Connection The um, Rhodes Family versus The Shield, his match with Cody, and then there's another WCW one I'm thinking of that's supposed to be really good. It's not War Games, is it?
1: I don't know.
0: There's another tag in WCW he was in that was, like, really good.
1: Uh, think about that we'd, we'd have to dig it out but this oh by the way another note that i have in this is i really hate the way kevin nash does a power bomb because he gets you up for the power bomb and then he just kind of lets you drop you compare that to the way sid or vader or someone would do it where they they hook you lift you up and then you know they're, they're driving you down into the nat- Nash just kind of brings you up and let you let you flop.
0: Um, I've never hated that because I thought like the concept. Oh, he's really tall, so he is dropping you from a high place. And there's kind of like sometimes it does look cool visually if he does it to the right guy. Mm-hmm. But they also like here it's fine. But this is also an area where they really screwed him as champion is um. They kept putting him against guys he could not do his finishing move to, which is death if you're a world champion.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of refer to that as the, the Undertaker problem, because the Undertaker had that stretch of the same issue. With folks like Yokozuna and Giant Gonzales and stuff. At least they had the Chokeslam, which was kind of like a secondary... Yeah, but he he couldn't tombstone people, and that part of the Undertaker thing is seeing him tombstone people. But
0: remember when he? Because um, I just saw this on tape. Remember when he almost dropped Test on the um, last ride, and he had to save himself in the ropes to get the move locked in right and give him the move.
1: Uh vaguely. Like part of did. To clarify a little bit, part of my issue with the Nash-style powerbomb is if, if he doesn't help help you on the way down to make sure you're going down correctly, that could end up being a real bad bump. Like, you know, see, Vader powerbombs you, and, and you're up, and then he's, you're basically being guided down onto your back. If you go up for, for a lazy powerbomb, and you're just up, and then you just kind of go down, then there's, you're just kind of falling from whenever uh wherever you were let go and it's harder to control
0: see but like sometimes though if you watch him do it enough he does hold a guy to make sure that he has the angle right before he lets go he doesn't just drop you sometimes he will like make sure he has you just right before he drops you well
1: you said sometimes so it's uh
0: Well, I mean, I think sometimes he knows he, I think, I think I could be wrong on this. I think it's kind of like when you play like baseball or softball and sometimes you can just feel when you catch all of it. Well, yeah. You know, like where it's going. I think, I think maybe with him, he knows like, like he knows like, okay, I got him good. I can just let him go. And sometimes he's like, well, this doesn't feel right. Like I'm going to give it a second and make sure that like he's like, I have them up enough, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's, I think he has a feel for it, and he knows, like, when he has the guy just right so he can let him go, and versus, like, oh, wait, no, I've got a... You know, it's kind of like, remember, remember like, the Nia Jax, uh, saying thing, and we were talking about how she should have known she had it bad? Yeah. Like, I think, I think, I think there might be a level of feel to it with, like, a move like that.
1: hmm I mean
0: I don't think he ever hurt anyone doing it so I mean it couldn't be that bad well no I mean I mean the one time he did hurt someone they shouldn't have been doing it anyway and I don't know why they both agreed to do that
1: oh the giant
0: yeah but I mean they shouldn't have done that to begin with and I don't know who convinced who that that was a good idea
1: well it's because he had done it to the giant once before
0: oh that's right they had done it once before
1: Yeah, but But, I mean he threw his back out doing it, doing it. Then he should not have. Yeah. That if you had rolled that into the part of the storyline, is the giant wants a piece of Nash, but Nash doesn't want a piece of the giant because one, the giant's bigger, and two, he can't power bomb him. You know, you could you can have some fun with that.
0: So like that one, yeah, he did hurt the giant on that, but I kind of blame both of them because between the two of them, one of them should have had the the brains to. Um, just
1: be like "Eh, let's not do this Mm -hmm.
0: or or say hey why don't we get Scott in here and like we'll do like a double team so he can kind of help me bear some of the weight I also think the problem was too with that is Giant was like putting on weight a ton so I bet he weighed an extra 10 or 15 pounds at the time which probably made a big difference too yeah
1: you're probably right about that you're probably but, right. You
0: know. But like that that one I mean I don't know, I mean that was a freak I still think that was like a freak accident though.
1: No. I I, I don't like it. I'm never gonna like it. So
0: No and I mean I get that. I get that. I get why you don't like it.
1: So alright. Um Matt, what about you? Have you got a I mean Brad and I've been going back and forth a lot. <laughs>
2: No, I appreciate that that someone chose this because it was a, a good opportunity to kind of take us a, a look back to this period because I've forgotten like a lot of what was going on in this period of, of the WWF slash WWE. Um, so it was kind of enlightening. So I appreciate that. I was a little, I guess, I was a little surprised by the the multitude of jobber matches, but I guess that's that's accurate because I mean Nitro didn't debut until 95 so they really didn't have much reason to have like marquee matches on that kind of that kind of came later
1: Mm -hmm. it's kind of a nice time capsule isn't it
0: early Nitro is kind of remarkable because like they really have that Bischoff like variety like they have like your old WWE guys wrestling they have like a work rate match on there. It's just interesting. We should actually do the first Nitro at some point.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was an interesting show, but I, there's something else that I think we should hit on before we're done. We're recording September 29, 2020, and, um, you know, as Brad has said, the news always strikes right after we record. Um, this past week we uh, had the passing of uh, Road Warrior Animal, Or, um, Mr. Laronitis, whose first name just completely, I was getting ready to say, just completely escaped me. Was it James? Was it.
0: No, his son's name is James Laurenitis, I think.
1: Golly. He's getting ready to do a little tribute section. Joseph. So, Joe Laurenitis, um, passed away at the age of 60. And, uh, that's that's especially tough to deal with right now um, because we were in this place where we had this guy who was he was not a hard partier like like Hawk was um, and he was uh, from all reports just this really easy to get along with super guy who you know. Like at conventions and stuff, was always happy to talk with people and everything. No um, one
0: ever had anything bad to say about him.
1: Yeah, most people have. Most folks in wrestling has someone who will talk bad about him at some point. But you know, you, you whenever you have someone who doesn't, it's always remarkable.
0: Um, Even like if they would come up on the dick bag, like cause I'm thinking about the Scorpio one. And he's like, "Well, do you want both of them, or do you want just Hawk and Animal?" Because he's like, Hawk was a douche, but like, a, you know, Animal was like a good dude. I think that's how that usually like broke out. So, I think it's tough for me on a personal level. It's getting tough for me, and I don't know how Matt feels about it, because he's about the same age I am, but, like, these guys died in their, like, 50s and, like, 60s, and, like, I'm looking 40 in the face here in a couple months, <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, these guys aren't that much older than me, and they're dying.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to... I don't like to disclose how old I am, but uh, I've reached that milestone, so... Um, it, it's weird, like, you... You do kind of hit that point where it's like, wow, these guys aren't that much older than me. Um, And him, like, have they released? Have they released information?
0: I don't think so. The rumor I've
2: heard is that he was
1: having heart and kidney problems,
2: mm -hmm. which lends
1: itself to certain
2: substances, but not like recreational substances. Yeah, I mean, he was a giant. He was giant, like in the '80s. I just figured yeah. he probably did. He was probably on the juice at some point. And...
0: What happened to Nightheart? Did Nightheart just fall and like hit his head, and that was how he died, or was there more to Nightheart?
2: He, yeah, he allegedly fell. Um, he had a lot of issues. Like at that point, he had he he. It was confirmed, I think, by Natty that he was he had uh, he had Alzheimer's or dementia. Yeah, he um, was
0: only like sixty-one, wasn't he?
2: He was relatively young. Um,
0: but I mean, I guess, I guess with Neidhart, it made more sense because I mean, I'm this really doesn't mean to be a pun, but like, I know the stories about him is that he was just an absolute animal, like in the '80s and '90s, like with the partying.
1: Yeah. Well, and the Road Warriors like, like Hawk going out when he did is not... I mean, no, you, you don't want to say this stuff happened, but on the other hand, it, it was less of a surprise for Hawk, given his
0: um, given his history. His, given the fact that his, um, his demons were so bad that at one point he had to go to Japan and find a new tag team partner <clears throat> uh, named the Power Warrior and, like, form the Hell... Is it Blazers or Razors with like Kinsuke Suzuki?
2: It was Hell Razors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wait,
0: I'm probably blowing Chad's mind with this information. No, right there.
1: that's that my mind is not blown about. I was kind of aware of that. I just I wasn't aware of what Animal was doing during that time.
0: You know, I actually don't know.
1: Um but you know to, to have this have oh <laughs> The Laurinaitis that everybody liked, also. (laughs) Um,
0: Not everyone hates. um, Not everyone hates Mrs. Baba's favorite wrestler.
1: That's (laughs) true. Or the father-in-law of the Bella's. Oh, okay. You have
0: to (laughs) think of a little TM after Mrs. Baba's (laughs) favorite wrestler.
1: That goes. uh, Mrs. Baba's favorite wrestler goes right up there with the friend of the show trademark, right? I. You
0: know. You know. Someone should make a t-shirt at some point on Per wrestling tees and it should just be, like, Mrs. Baba's favorite wrestler and it should just be, like, her with her legs, like, spread open and just, like, blonde hair between her legs.
2: Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. This is a family podcast.
0: Yeah, I don't know who would buy that, to be honest. I mean, it'd be hilarious. I would buy it'd, it. Be, but it'd, it'd be
1: funny, be, but I don't know who yeah. would buy it. Um. If there was a way to follow it up, if it was Mrs. Bobla's favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler, then you might be able to pull off something with that. But, uh, but, you know, just the fact that – go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: I mean, I would guess he's not the only way that bought his way in – well, we can say buy his way into uh, all Japan that way.
1: Uh, I don't know. I'm just –
0: Jackie Fulton's still alive? Maybe that's how he got over there. Or no, he was with <laughs> Bobby Fulton. But, you know, we're... Um, they probably thought they were getting Tommy Rogers and then, like, Jackie Fulton got off the plane.
1: Oh, God. But it's it's just disheartening to, to hear someone who was... Um, not only such a big deal in their, um, you know, in, in the history of the business, but that was, there's so many pricks and scumbags that that populate the wrestling business that losing someone who is, you know, typically or historically, um, you know, regarded as such a good guy, that's always
0: it's especially when you know he was like a family guy and his you know son played in the NFL like you know he's leaving behind like a family that's just devastated and who loved him and um are gonna miss him every day for the rest of their lives like that makes it really painful versus like just like a scumbag that no one's going to really yeah mourn in the loss of yeah yeah but he was like, I from all like all I said like for all intents and purposes, he was like a good dude. I know when his son was playing at Ohio State that he was like at all the games and just seemed like a good dude.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: you know we we missed another one. It's a little older, but we've we never mentioned that. Um, also on the passing away chart that Ralph has died.
1: No, oh, yeah, that's true. We didn't bring that up. Um,
0: he legitimately, like, I know he was a comedy character, but I legitimately loved Ralphus. He had a he had an appeal. He he
1: it was he was an amusing <laughs> gag. He was a good running gag, I think.
2: Yeah, my favorite thing and, was when like Jericho would walk down the ring with Ralphus, and like some guy would like jaw jack. Uh, Jericho or something and Jericho would like like shove Ralphus like you know say something to that guy and then Ralph was just go over there and just like waggle his finger yeah. <laughs> the guy like no. Uh 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 Well and you know what the
0: you know what the brilliance of Ralphus I always thought was is like I'm pretty sure he was in on the joke but he always came across like he wasn't in on the joke. Yeah. Because he was just, like... I was reading on him when he died. Like, I wanted to know if he was, like, a legitimate wrestler or something. But he was just, like, some guy on, like, the TV crew. Like, he drove the truck. Yeah, he drove the the truck. Yeah,
2: he was just, like, a backstage worker.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. I wonder how... Did they... Has Jericho ever talked about, like, how he, like... They ended up using him like that?
1: It's, um... It's in Jericho's first book. He says... Ralphus is just a guy, he drove the ring truck and I found him backstage and thought he would be perfect so I asked him if he wanted to do it. Like Jericho just found him and like conscripted him for it. So, you know, it, it, he he just kind of lucked into being able to be on TV.
0: He was so good at that role too though, like he just like, the shirts that were too small, so his belly was, like, hanging out and stuff, and...
1: Uh, I think the thing that really made it work was that he he underplayed so much. Like, he wasn't trying to, to mug his way in front of the camera or anything. He underplayed it a lot, so... It, it made him seem even more ill-fit for the role that Jericho had him in. Which just was perfect for it.
0: He had a weird presence, though. Like, I, I just it's just it's just funny that like a guy that he asked from the backstage actually became like a memorable little side character
1: jericho's been pretty good about um finding memorable stuff and, and using it so that's yeah. that's uh, that's pretty good um but
0: it's been a rough year with the wrestler deaths because we missed someone else. Uh, and who was that? Bob Armstrong was the one. That oh, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Who, that one tore me up because, like, legitimately... Legitimately... Probably someone that a lot of listeners has never have never seen wrestle. And he is legitimately, like, just a great talent. Like, great talker, good in the ring. Just... Just kind of a guy that probably hasn't been seen enough, yeah, over the years. Yeah.
1: So, well, I think that's what uh, what we've got. Unless there was anything else you guys wanted to to add in.
0: Uh, no, I think we're good because I think the debates are over, so we don't have to watch it. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Okay. Well, hey, we want to thank our listener. Thanks for, for making the request, actually. Um, getting a request in is, is actually kind of nice because it's, it's probably something we wouldn't pick ourselves, so we do appreciate
2: no. it.
0: <laughs> no. Um, but I, I, I have to say, I, I think Matt's chomping at the bit for this one because we have, we have a really weird one for you next week, probably the next two weeks, because we'll probably do a two-parter of it but we're going to be doing the American Wrestling Federation.
2: I'm actually very uh interested in this because I had never heard of this. And I I there's a couple different shows that we're going to review for the podcast and I've seen just some brief clips of it and the the production values are shockingly good. Mm-hmm.
0: They put a lot of money into it. And they yeah. like they they like spent money to get fans in there like it's actually Production-wise and, like, presentation-wise, it's really good. They just made terrible decisions with talent and how they presented the show because they're they, – they essentially – what it is is – so this is a promotion from, like, the mid-'90s and they take, like, a bunch of WWF cast-offs at the time and then they have them wrestle in European round-style rules, which, like, didn't really work but they put a lot of money into it. So it's like a show with bad wrestling, but looks almost as good as like WWF TV and probably better than WCW at the time. Mm. But that's, that's what our next probably two shows will be. And then um, we're probably going to do a couple things. And then I, I'm still like kind of hemming and hawing about what, what, Matches I'm gonna do, but then we're going to do a spotlight, and I'm super excited about this one too. We're gonna we're gonna highlight Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Psychosis from like '95, '96 when they were like that touring feud for like all these promotions. Mm-hmm. I am super stoked about that one. Oh
1: yeah, that's gonna be a lot of fun. That was Rey at like his his youthful, energetic, uh, like
0: 18 years old.
1: Yeah, looking forward to that quite a bit.
2: Yeah, but that's all I got.
1: Matt, was there anything else you wanted to?
2: No, uh, on throw in? I'm really excited about that show too. You, you know, just as a as an aside, like we probably should look at more lucha or lucha themed stuff because it's been kind of years since I've watched that with any kind of consistency. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't mind dipping our toes back in the water of that.
0: Yeah, it's been on my to do list for like. Sadly, a year and a half. It's just I haven't because Shad's newer at it. I wanted to kind of like take it a little easy instead of you know picking guys he knows and stuff. Mm. But there's just a lot of lucha <clears throat> out there, and like I just I sadly just have not devoted like the time to like really pick out beginner friendly stuff and like how to grow it out. Mm. From yeah, there it just it just needs a lot of it just needs a lot of care and work and how to work it into a podcast because lucha matches can be kind of long because of the three falls and yeah everything. And I know there's going to be some talking shad through it because it's going to be so foreign and weird and probably disconcerting as a worker.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's one way of putting it. Um, uh, it's, it's probably going to just absolutely make my head spin. And I admit that. But
0: well 'cause here's so the thing is the thing is like with Lucha especially and, and Matt will back me up on this, like if your exposure to these guys in WCW, like what they worked in WCW is actually not Lucha Libre. It's like a very dumbed down, spot heavy version of it. Like when you get like actual Lucha, like it is just it is just like a free for all. Like it's almost like like um like a Mad Max movie in a ring. Okay. Like that, like there's just sometimes they'll just, they'll just be this huge brawl and like someone will like pin someone in the ring or, like it can just go absolutely crazy.
1: And you're going, I don't, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be sitting there going, why are they? What's the, why are they? What is the? Uh, I, I I can definitely see that happening.
0: Sometimes sometimes it'll just turn into like. It'll be like that, but you'll just be in for every step. You'll just be like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And there will just be like bodies everywhere.
1: Um, We're going to have to wait and see because I'm I'm not going to make a
0: call before this happens because the brawls can get intense.
1: Like I said, we're I'm going to I'm going to say wait and see because I'm not going to I'm not going to cast any judgment till this till this happens.
0: I'm good with that.
1: All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode. Um, We want to say thanks to our listener for recommending it. If you have something you want to hear us talk about, throw it to us through our social media. We would love to hear from you. Is there anything on this episode that we missed or that you'd want to hear expanded? Please hit us up on social media as well. So, this is Shad here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters, you're in the fourth, and we will see you next time.